And so this is where you draw the sketch and he sees himself yes. for the first time. It's, so it's like, how can this be? I'm just a stupid octopus. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. He didn't even know what he was. Welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kason. We're back to talk about Final Fantasy VI. We left off with the dinner scene with the, with the Emperor. We had negotiated peace, and he sends us off to go and track down where the espers are and ask them to please not kill us anymore. Please don't kill us anymore. But who, of course, will be doing the asking? It's going to be Terra. Because it works so well. And <laughs> Terra and Locke. Yeah, that's right. Are that's going right. together. And um, that's it. Uh, they're leaving space open in the party to bring a couple of other characters yeah. in. So mm. Celeste shows up at the end of that dinner. As well, uh, I think it's on the ship. Isn't that right? Uh, oh, the, is ship that on the ship in Albuquerque. Oh, that's right, because we yeah. don't even realize that she. That's right. We haven't seen her. We haven't seen her. We haven't seen her. You're no. totally right. So, okay, um, you are supposed to head to Albrook and get on yes. a ship, get and then the go with General Leo to go find the Espers. Uh, but before you do that, this is something I had not. I didn't even know this ever. I've played this game probably four or five times. I had never seen this scene. It's very easy to miss. Um, you can go to the, the wrecked airship and get an extra scene oh, here yeah, between yeah. Sid right. and Setzer as they're repairing the airship. Yeah. Which is nice to see because it kind of feels random a little later on when the airship is just fixed and they show up. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, whoa, it's back now? So, yeah, mm. Sid goes after this uh, dinner negotiation and works on the airship with Setzer and they sort of like fix it up. Yeah. So there's some dialogue However, between them. However, Setzer... Well, Setzer isn't stoked to have Sid's help. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what they say. Um, Sid says, this is a nice ship you've got here. And Setzer says, the, sh the shock from our crash really banged up the engine. It's going to take a while to fix. And Sid says, let me help you. I know my way around an engine. And Setzer says, I think I'll pass. Sid says, you know, we could really speed this baby up if we axed the casino and streamlined her a bit. And Setzer says, that's not open to discussion. <laughs> now, will you please get out of here? Nice. And Sid says, oh, well, would have been at least twice as fast, too. Maybe three times. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> and then Tara says, you really love this ship, don't you? Yeah. And Setzer says, it may be hard to believe, considering how I live now, but I used to be a driven man. Really? Setzer says, I wanted to make the fastest ship in the world and fly it across the open sky. That was always my dream. Well, it would be the only ship in the world, so it's kind of <laughs> also the fastest. Well, apparently there was another ship. Now, maybe at, a, at that time, I guess. Well, there was. He, he meant. Oh, you're here. right. You're right. There's this is a scene we'll see later. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Tara says, is that any different from what you're doing now? And Setzer says, back then, there was a person who kept me working towards my yeah. dream the pilot of the Falcon, the fastest airship ever made. At times we were friendly rivals, and at times we were simply friends. If he, if he only had the second fastest airship ever made, he actually had the slowest airship the slowest. ever made. He, ah, built, he, tried to, he tried to build the fastest airship ever, and he built the slowest one. He built the slowest one. <laughs> the slowest airship. Um, Falcon, by the way, Star Wars. Yep. Of course. We'd always talk about the our airship. dreams, like which of us would be the first to sail beyond the sky to the stars, and then she vanished along with the Falcon, and that was the end of youthful dreams. And then Setzer says something. He has like a kind of an ellipse. He's a dot, dot, dot. Daryl. 
the name Daryl he mentions. Upon talking to Sensor again, after the scene with him and Sid, the repairs will take some time. You're going to have to take a boat to Albrook. So, there it is. That's the extra dialogue you can get. They're working on the airship, trying to repair it. So, Very cool. make your way to Albrook, and you meet General Leo on the ship. That's right. Leo's <clears throat> back. He says, ah, oh, there you are, another Imperial general, and a man I hired back in town will be accompanying us as well. And this is where we see uh, Celeste is the other general, and then Shadow. Yeah, yeah. Shadow. He hired Shadow to go on this mission with us. That's right. Let me introduce them, General Celeste and Shadow. Is something the matter? And obviously Locke and Celeste are uncomfortable looking at each other. Locke says, oh, it's nothing. <laughs> Leo says, we depart tomorrow. In the meantime, I've arranged a lodging for you at the inn. And Tara calls out Celeste's name. Celeste doesn't say anything. Locke sa says Celeste's name. She kind of just ignores them both, walks past them. So she's hurt. She's hurt that they didn't trust them, yep. didn't trust her. Uh, they he, Leo tells them to get some rest. And so as they go to rest, uh, oh, you can talk to Shadow before doing that. He says, I'm working for the Empire, but don't worry. They didn't hire me to kill you. I believe... The word that Woolsey used it was garrot. <laughs> I, I will not garrot you. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I remember that. You're right. Because I thought it was karate. I was like, garot, garote. I was like, is that like a karate? Is that yeah. like a, nope. a maneuver? No. <laughs> Why did he say garrot? Garrot means, let me get the actual definition here. Isn't it like, yeah, like a torture device where you like strangle people? Or something oh, like that. Is it's it? like an execution method from like medieval times. Yeah, it's like I think this is it. So like you see this thing the guy got around his neck. Gar garrote. That's a that's a garrote. Whoa. <laughs> so, I mean, garrote. It's like what, dude? You're supposed to get rid of. Um, you know, you're supposed to censor the word "kill." That's right, and put in something <laughs> and less instead, <laughs> intense. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jack. We got to show that. What the fetch, That's messed dude. Up. Um, what the fetch? It's like way more hardcore. <laughs> it's an instrument of medieval torture, it seems. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, jeez. Don't worry. I'm not going to do that to you, says Shadow <laughs> in the SNES version. <laughs> um, okay. That so when you, uh, when you rest, actually, you, you don't you rest on the ship lodging. yet. You go, you go to the end, yeah, right? to an end. And that's, I think that's the lodging that he had prepared for us, right? Right. As they wait to depart the next day. And yep. so Locke is going to wake up in the middle of the night and go outside and see Celeste standing there. He tries to talk to her. Please. Why won't you talk to me? Yeah. I know I doubted you if only for a moment, but can we still be friends or we can still be friends, right? Right. And she doesn't say anything to him. She, she doesn't say a word. Runs off. Yeah. So she's, she's. Unhappy. She's pissed. And I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I sort of see it uh, based on all we've talked about with hoping that, you know, he was, this is sort of the shining, you know, the star yeah. that would bring her out of the darkness or whatever. But I mean, yeah. you got to be somewhat understanding. You, you, you were not forthright with like your history and your past with these people. Yeah. It, it, it it's not like there was no reason to doubt you. Right. But it, it hurt her. So right. I'm not, I'm not going to be that hard on it. Um, but it's a nice little scene. I really like, I liked it a lot. The music Yeah, for that scene. It, it's sort of a light motif of the, 
the um, the opera. Yeah, she, the opera. That, that's that, right. The song she sings. You hear the that, opera, right? the Maria and do 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 do. That was really good, and the it was it was at night too, mm-hmm. and you're kind of looking out over the ocean, right? Yep. You can you get it. It's a it's a romantic ish kind of setting, but it just doesn't turn out that way. Yep. So next day, you're back on the ship. They set sail. You actually watch the ship. I thought you would you you would probably enjoy this. So that you actually yes, watch I the did. ship <laughs> sailing, <laughs> sailing, <laughs> and it's got to go in right angles, right? It can't yep. like go across. Do, 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 so it's do, 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 down, do, do. over, down, over. Yep, love it. Oh, it's so good. And then as it's sailing, you get a bunch of uh, little vignettes, little brief uh, cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got this one here. Well. Mostly uh, Tara. Tara talking to Leo and then Tara to Shadow about. Yeah, Tara and Leo. What is it like to love? She's still That's right. hung up on this. Right? She, I, but I want to know what love is. <laughs> I want to know now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, geez. Yep. Yeah. So, um it's all about what love is, right, and her whole thing. Now, somebody had mentioned a while ago that we – something we had not mentioned in the podcast, but somebody brought this up in the comment section, talking about how the reason why Tara is so obsessed with why she can't feel love is because she thought it was because of her ability to use magic, right? Mm-hmm. That That's why she was asking Celeste right. and others. Like, it's like, hey, oh, you can use magic. Can you fall in love? Mm-hmm. Oh, because I, I can use magic, but I can't fall in love, right? So mm-hmm. maybe it's the magic that makes it so I can't do it, right? Right. And Celeste, more or less, well, she blows her off, but you could see that as a confirmation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, Celeste feels something for Locke. So it's like, okay, it's not that, right? So Tara yeah. is trying to ask other people now, kind of going up the chain, going up to General Leo. Yeah. I can't remember precisely what the dialogue was in the SNES version, but I feel it like- It was, but I want to know what love is now. Well, and yeah. Because he says, you're young, right? <laughs> yeah. You haven't experienced it yet. Just wait, it'll come. And she's like, <laughs> right now. <laughs> I thought it was uh, pretty impatient. The, the part that I'm referring to, I think is clearer- in the advanced script because what Leo says is having trouble sleeping, I hear your emotions have returned. I think he says memory or something like that. He says, looks like you're feeling better is all he says. Feeling better. Looks like you're feeling better. I hear your emotions have returned. So Mm -hmm. it's clearer in this version that whatever happened with the slave crown possibly also took away her emotion. She's having trouble feeling anything. Yeah, so it's true. not, she's regained that's her memories, right. That's right. but like the emotions haven't come mm, back. And so this is what she's struggling out. with. Like, I can't feel anything. Right. I can't feel love. I don't even know what that feels like. Partly right. all she feels is confusion. Yeah. Right. She's just confused at everything. Yeah. She says, it's strange, isn't it? The empire used me, controlled my very thoughts. And now here I am cooperating with the same people. And Leo says, people are people. Not everyone in the empire is like Kefka. She says, so what about you? He says, I knew that you were half Esper being made to suffer through horrible experiments, yet I did nothing. I'm no better than Kefka. Hmm. She says, if a human and an Esper can love one another, do you think a human and I could love each other? Leo says, of course. She says, but I don't even know what it feels like to love someone. Well, you're still young. Someday you'll know, I'm sure of it. But... I want to know now. Now. <laughs> and it's written a little differently here. I think 
In your version, it was probably an exclamation point. Yeah. I want to know now. I want to know what love is, dot, 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 now is it with all, an exclamation point. all caps now? No, it's not all caps. Just an But there is an exclamation point, and it comes after a, an ellipsis. So yeah. It's like so here, emphasized. it's but ellipses. I want to know now ellipses. So it's a little more like she's trailing like, off. Like, now I want to know. Like, but I want to know now. She's almost like saying it to herself. You. Okay, okay. But in that, that version, I, it sounds like a whiny teenager. I want to know now. Well, and that's the Japanese. Demo watashi wa ima shiritai. So it's like, okay. Yeah. That's more or less what she's saying. Ima wa, like right now. Yeah. Or no, ima. Watashi wa ima shiritai. So she, that, you know, that is in the Japanese, but it's not emphasized at all. Mm. You're probably right. And then she hears something. Who's there? And Shadow steps out. I thought I'd sleep under the stars. Did you hear what we were talking about? <laughs> I didn't mean to listen in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. She's like, so, so she's asking him now. I, I can't help you. Those are answers you have to find for yourself. Yep. And uh, then she's kind of walking off and he calls out to her, Tara, there are people in this world who have chosen to kill their emotions. Remember that. So he kind of understands what she's going through, mm. but he killed the emotion. Right. On so he's trying to warn her against that. Remember, like, remember that mm. there are people out there who have chosen to kill their emotions. Don't do that. Find that answer for yourself. Keep seeking it. Like trying to encourage her, I feel. Um, and then on the back <laughs> of this very <laughs> kind of emotional, <laughs> vulnerable scene, right? Yeah. Locke is, uh, <laughs> he's seasick. Seasick, yeah. right? He's like, oh, blood, blood, blood like, chunks. Over the side. He's like, world's greatest treasure hunter reduced to this. <laughs> I think in that version, he tells Shadow not to tell. You better not tell anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. So this is something I kind of want to talk about because so far in the game, I feel like they've done a pretty good job as far as balancing their dramatic and serious with their comedic moments, mm-hmm. even when they're kind of right on the back of each other. Like you have the opera scene, which is very grandiose. Yes. And then you got like Ultros, like right on the back of that, you know, like comedy show thing at the end of that. (laughs) What awful acting. Yeah. (laughs) Like all that, right? And then in the midst of that, you know, throwing the letter down and then they don't read it. Like, why don't you read it? So they've done a pretty good job where it seems to work even when it might seem like it won't. And then mm. this, I kind of feel similarly about. It's like we've just had this very vulnerable moment. They feel like they got to come in right away with something funny, and mm. and I think some of that comes towards you're gearing it towards kids. Right? Yes, you can't let the heavy emotions linger for too long. Yes, when you're marketing towards you know ten, eleven, twelve year olds. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also feel like it was really Final Fantasy V that did this to even a greater oh, yeah. extent, but it was. When I, I remember reading this in, in interviews, I don't have the quote on me right now, but Final Fantasy IV didn't have as much of this. Um, the mm-hmm. NES games were very just kind of like basic and as far as text goes. There's not a lot of yeah. like flavor to it necessarily because it's just so basic. But then Final Fantasy V became like very, very funny all the time. And mm-hmm. I hear that it was Yoshinori Kitase's touch. Like he came in and started working on Okay. Event scenes on five and five was originally supposed to be a very kind of darker or more dramatic story. Oh, and really? He kind of came in and lightened it up. <laughs> okay, okay. So I feel like that's kind of his touch huh. here as well. Um, but it, it seems to be really working so far. I feel like at the back end of what we'll get to at the very end of this episode <laughs> yeah. that we're doing now, 
it doesn't work as well. It's like the one place where it's like they bring humor probably in a little at a time that I feel like isn't necessarily appropriate. But so far, I feel like they've been nailing it. Yeah. Um, somehow they're able to have this scene with Tara and Leo and Shadow where she's just like really, um, really torn and upset over the fact that she can't seem to understand emotions and that she doesn't feel like she belongs with anybody. That's kind of been the thing since the beginning. She doesn't feel like she belongs in this world. Yeah. She doesn't feel like she belongs in the Esper world because they keep like not talking to her, rejecting her. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, she's trying to talk to them at the gate and they all bust out and just kill everybody. So she's caught between two worlds. Yep. She doesn't know where she belongs and she's yep. really struggling with this. But then like we get this little, you know, scene with Locke being seasick right on the back of that. <laughs> And normally I would think, you know, maybe, maybe let's wait a bit. Let's sort of like, let's do an easy ease into that comedy instead yeah, of like yeah. a straight cutoff. But I don't know. It, it's working. It's not, it's not something I feel yeah. like is out of place necessarily. Well, in between that, you do see the ship sailing along just yeah. you know, for 10 more seconds and then the screen fades and then you get, you get lock blowing, blown chunks yeah. off the side of the boat. So the ship continues, um, they're almost a crescent island. That's where they're going to be searching. Yeah. When we make landfall, we'll split into two groups. I'll go with Celeste. Tara, you go with Locke and Shadow. If you find any clues as to where the espers may be hiding, report back at once. Right. And then Tara, let's continue last night's conversation the next time we meet. So I really like what they're doing with Leo here. Leo has almost become, in just like one sort of interaction, almost like a fatherly figure to Oh, Tara. sure. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah. Yeah. He's like... I mean, Locke has had like sort of heart to heart moments with her, right. but he's sort of leaning more Celeste now. And right. she takes notice of that. Like she'll, in, in the moments where like Celeste will walk up to Locke and, and he tries to say her name and she walks away from, you see that like they yeah, make emphasis yeah. that like Tara goes and like looks on she at She reacts that. as well. Yeah. yeah. So Locke is sort of shifting his attention away from her and onto Celeste. And so... I like that Leo is like seeing that vulnerability in her and is trying to like, yeah. you know, reach out um, it's, genuinely. It's almost like uh, Tara represents kind of like the hinge, like you can think of it of like an hourglass shape or something or, a, you know, an X. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's the Esper world above and then the human world below. And then there's, there's that point in the middle of the single like passageway that the two have to communicate with each other. And it's her. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure put on that joint. Like that's like the hinge basically. Yeah. And it's just one person. And you, with that much pressure, somebody who was acting as a hinge or a bridge between worlds that has this massive like geopolitical like consequences placed on their shoulders kind of, needs somebody to help them bear the burden, yep. right? Needs somebody to talk to at the end of the day. And, and Tara just doesn't have that. Like mm. there was a possibility that there might've been somebody to help her out a bit. And that has kind of retreated. Like mm. it's just her alone with her own thoughts. And when you have that much pressure put on you and you're an 18 year old girl, yep. like it's, um, it's, it, 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 it gets very difficult. You, you definitely want somebody to help you out. Yep. And she doesn't really have that. And I really like that Leo is, Stepping in to kind of take that role. He's, yeah. He's extending the invitation. Let's continue our conversation. You know, I'll, I'll help you through this. There's a soldier on the boat as well that you can talk to who mentions something about a rumor. Oh. There's a rumor that there are still magical people. Oh, yes. On Crescent Island, mm -hmm. right? And you talk to, it's just a random soldier. Um, as soon, okay, as soon as I heard that rumor, 
right? I'm thinking it's been a thousand years without <laughs> magic. Gestalt severely, desperately wants magic. He's going about it the hardest possible way, mm-hmm. right? And there's a rumor that on one of the four islands of their whole world is magic people, and they are not even good at hiding it at all. I don't buy it. I don't buy this. This, this the, like, I love Crescent Island. I love the village. Yeah. Uh, Ta- Tamasa. 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 Yeah. I love it. I don't buy their whole premise. Like that they hid for I, this. I long. wish it was a more hidden. If only that one soldier didn't tell me that there was a rumor that yeah. those people had magic this whole time. Anyways. I would have believed it a lot better. Yeah. But because it seemed a rumor has spread and it's true and it's right there and they aren't good at hiding it, um, that in and of itself is like, hey, in a thousand years, somebody would have figured this out. Yeah. Somebody would have found out. Yeah. Uh, so I just don't buy it. But I, I would like to think of it as though the rumor didn't exist and these people are very well <laughs> hidden, right? Yeah. I, I'm just, I have to do some brain work yeah, to make that to, uh, happen though. Cause the game did not uh, present it that way at all. Yeah. You have to shift your head cannon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Thamasa is the next town. Thamasa. And as you're going around, you see a couple of, um, little scenes. Like there's a boy practicing <laughs> fire magic. Yeah. And he's just, like, Oh, just lighting like, bushes on fire. <laughs> like, Oh, there, I, there's this little girl who gets hurt. Yeah. And she's like, mommy, use cure <laughs> on me. And the mom's like, okay, I, <laughs> we'll go get you a medicine cure because she yeah. notices us watching her. Yep. And she's like, I'll go get the medicine. Think... And mommy's like, no, cast the spell. And she like runs after her mom. <laughs> yeah, I think even <laughs> that was so funny. Locke like waves at them yeah, and, as hi. the mother's like looking on. Like, it's like super embarrassed. Oh yeah. my gosh, I just let our 1,000 year secret get out. <laughs> oh, I'm so embarrassed. Like, holy cow, holy yeah. cow. Um, it's charming. I actually really like it. I just wish that that soldier didn't tell me that the rumor existed in the first yeah, place. To not, you know give the impression that this is a widespread Yeah, that people know that something's going on. Um, anyway, so you kind of wander into a house here. You meet some new characters, Strago and his daughter, Realm. Realm. Realm's theme, by the way, her theme song Wonderful. is so good. So good. <laughs> it's possibly one of my, favorites. my favorite in the whole One of my favorites. So good. Yeah. Um, these are two new recruitable characters, uh, playable characters in the game. So you, you go in and you're asking him about espers. He's like, espers, huh? Um, haven't heard that word in years. So you do know about espers, though. And he's like, oh, uh, nope. Uh, can't say I do. <laughs> Don't know a thing. Not one thing. Uh, everybody thinks there's something fishy going on. Then Realm comes in. Grandpa, Strago, hey, what are you doing here? Uh, uh, and um, let's see. On screen it says, in her picture, she captures everything, forests, water, yeah. light, the very essence of the thing she paints. So I, yeah. I'm not even sure what to call her class necessarily. Oh, by the way. I've never, yeah, there's nothing really quite like this. I um, I think I misspoke when uh, talking earlier about Gao when we first got him. Oh, yeah. He's not so much the blue mage class. He's more oh. like beast master, but it's a similar thing. Both classes learn abilities from enemies. But blue ma- blue mages learn strictly like spells from enemies. Oh, sure. And Beastmaster, you could say, is more about learning their abilities. Yeah, the the yeah. raw. Yeah. So sense. anyway, Strago is the blue mage of this okay, game. Okay. So he yeah, learns blue magic. So when he sees a magic spell cast from an yeah. enemy, he learns that spell by seeing it, being in the party, witnessing it happen. So this is another character that can learn enemy skills, essentially. So um, anyway. Realm, though, she's like a painter, an artist. I don't know. She paints the pictures of the 
enemies <laughs> and sort of reflects their own attacks back at them. Or I think it's like maybe, yeah. I, I don't use the sketch ability very often, so I may be getting this wrong. I just don't think it's a very useful skill personally. But no. um, I think what it does is whatever the last attack was that the enemy did, she'll sketch the enemy and then like do that same attack back at them. At least that's what it seems like because when I was fighting Ultros. Yes, that's when you first get yeah, introduced to her skill. Uh, he had used his tentacle attack and then yeah. she sketched and then it did the attack back at him. So I think I, that's I, I didn't was. pay attention to the attack. I thought it was because he says some stuff after that happens. Um, he, he sees the picture of himself and then he goes... How can this be? I'm nothing more than a stupid octopus. Like he didn't. <laughs> so he doesn't know what he, he looks didn't, like. He didn't know what he and looks like. It's yeah. almost like looking in the mirror, right? Yeah. Like you show the monster a mirror and let it see what it truly is, and it can't handle itself, and it yeah. just like died. I, that's what I took from that, but it could very well be that specific attack. Converted it, optimist is bringing up the the mime ability. So I yeah, kind of like that. I think that's how it works. Uh, Beard was also bringing up that there's a glitch that um, you can use to break the game badly with this ability. So there's probably some mm. ways in which I'm not aware that it can be used to yeah. become OP. But in general, I feel like, and I, I said this last time, that at this point, as you're learning more magical abilities and like boosting stats, that magic itself is becoming like really, really powerful yeah, <laughs> yeah. in the game. Yeah. And so like right now, I'm like wiping out uh, entire groups of enemies with just fire two with Terra. So it's like, it doesn't even matter who else does anything in the battle. I could just like steal with Locke, do whatever with anybody else and just like have Terra use fire too and just like wipe out a whole group of enemies. And it's, so anyway, yeah. it just, it's just not a, an ability I've used very much or experimented with very much. So I don't really understand how it works yeah. in depth. So, but this is not a gameplay mechanics podcast so we don't no, need to worry no, about no, that no, no problem <laughs> oh, oh mix wrote that ultros failed his silent hill 2 test <laughs> looking at himself that's true that's true uh, that was good um okay so also just a general note the town of tamasa uh doesn't likes foreigners right no and it's it's obvious why but i actually really like that touch yeah. right there it's like they have a secret to protect yeah i like how the they, they make you pay some exorbitant the amount end, at the end. i think it's 1500 yeah, like or something 1500 for one night for it's one like, night no dude the last <laughs> until like you've talked to strago and then they like reduce the yeah, price to like yeah. one gill <laughs> then yeah exactly then it's like super cheap You're, you become part of their in group uh, right? that's funny Anyway, so Realm comes out. Who are they? Are they friends? Can they use magic too? Oh my god! <laughs> He's like, See, shush. This is what I'm saying. A thousand year secret, and this is these are the people. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It does not add up at all. But it's then, really funny. I thought this scene was absolutely hilarious. Oh, I love Realm it because is so funny. She runs up to Shadow's dog, and she's like, "Oh, what a cute dog!" And he's like, "Back off!" He bites. You know, like <laughs> this dog hates people. I, I think it, Shadow said this when we kind of not first. Maybe it was the first time we met him. Uh, in South Figaro, when we're at yeah. the cafe. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> And he was right. like, the dog, yeah, the dog bites, bites, like, stay away from yeah, it, yeah. right? But this dog really likes her. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Strago tells her to go back to the room. And she's like, why? You know, like, you never yeah. let me have fun. And he's like, I said so, go. She's like, fine. But, like, the dog follows her yes, into, into her the room. room. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Strago's like, oh, the dog seems to take a liking to her. And, and he's like, um... <laughs> It's fine. He usually doesn't like other people, though. So even Shadow is surprised. Yeah, right? he's like, what's but up, immediately what's up Realm, you know, and this dog kind of fall in love. So I really liked that. That was a really funny scene. Um, Strago goes on to say, anyhow, I'm terribly sorry, but I don't think I can be of any help to you folks. 
She's like, all right, I see. Um, he says, we're just ordinary, quiet village. <laughs> You're not going to find anyone who knows about those Esper things here, I'm afraid. Not in Thamasa. So Locke's like, there's something strange about this place, right? <clears throat> Let's go have a look around the village. So yeah. from there, um, you go and sleep at the inn, and then in the middle of the night, Strega oh, will come yeah, in and wake Locke right, up right. and say, you've got to help me. There's been a fire. My daughter or my granddaughter is, you know, caught in the blaze. Like, please, like, come out and help me. And um, Locke and and Tara get out, and Locke kind of goes and tries to, like, nudge Shadow, like, get up, like, yeah, and he just he turns over he and looks, and he just goes back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but Interceptor goes. That's so the right. dog leaves, but then, Shadow stays behind. Yes, yes, that's right. And he's like, whoa, Interceptor, where'd you go, right? Yeah. So I, I like that I touch. He's that like, really good. I, he's like, my job here is to find the espers, not to like save little kids from burning right. buildings. And I'm, I'm sleeping now, like, don't bother me. <laughs> but like his dog leaves because the dog likes the girl. And yeah. then he's like, oh, he's all worried about his dog. So he gets up. Liked it. It was really great. It's I really like Shadow good. as a really character. I, I like the way they handle him. He comes and goes from the party so often. He has a heart, but like he doesn't want to show it. Oh, I also finally saw the first dream cutscene. Um, oh, for Shadow. Good. Where yeah, Clyde, yeah. Clyde is like this guy's approaching him like Clyde. You know, yeah. That? I can't it's remember like the a, name. It's like a pirate Baram, Baram. Yeah. yeah. Clyde like, and Baram. Yeah. So we have this guy, Baram. Clyde, how could you? I was your partner. You should be here with me. Join me, Clyde. Uh, so that's basically the first one. That's just the the one I've seen so far. Right. So it's just he's. Just, I, I really. It's really it's just dramatic. Introducing a character. It's really cool it's the way dark. they do it. It's yeah. completely black. Yeah, yeah. And there's this really kind of heavy, like low droning sort of like mm, right. note that just kind of repeats. And there's just just this guy pops out like Clyde. How could you? I was your partner. You should be here with me. Join me, Clyde. It's just like. It's just really well done, yeah. structured as a scene. It's, it's, it builds a lot of intrigue. It's like, oh, I want to know what's going on here. And it, yeah, it's so short. It's short enough to be like, what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be more than one of these. Um, so we'll kind of talk about them as they come up. But uh, when Shadow is in your party and you rest at an inn, you have a chance of having these scenes play. It's almost yeah. like dreams of his, right? So I can't remember how many there are in total. I know there's like I've seen five, one other, but four. I think there's four. Concluded. Four total. Dreams. Four? Okay. So this is the first yeah, of I think them. I've seen two. Really short and uh, really quick. But um, anyways, we'll bring those up as we see them more. But I, I nice. saw that scene while we were here. Good. Okay. So they run out to try and help Realm. Uh, the building is on fire. Strago starts casting a spell to try to like douse the flames. Yes. And it's like little rain droplets. <laughs> it's not enough. <laughs> and to it's, actually I, I thought it was really funny the way that they do it too, because he'll cast a spell and it'll hit it with water and then you'll wait a second and then the house will like, like burst into more flames. <laughs> yep. And then so everyone in the town gets together. And at first the mayor is like, no magic. And yeah. he's like, but there's people in here. We have to do it. And um, Strago's able to convince everyone, like, let's do magic. It doesn't matter. And then they all do magic. And it's like really ineffective. And then once again, the whole house just like bursts into even more flames. Yeah. And it's like this huge mess. Um, I'm a little confused though. So Strago, did did somebody come into the inn and wake us up or did we just hear? Strago came in himself. Okay. So why? I, I'm, I was a little confused. So Strago comes in, wakes us up, leaves, and then he's standing there. They don't even talk to us and he's just casting his 
water, nothing happens. Basically, he woke us up so that we could watch <laughs> them all use the magic, right? I Which think I, you would think that it would be like a last resort or that somebody else would go in. I don't know. The way I just, that I, I, I guess I kind of saw this is that he was panicking. He wanted to find someone to help. He wasn't like going to use magic necessarily, <clears throat> okay. but then when he saw how bad the fire was, he like started doing it because it was like a last right. resort thing. And I don't care that there are foreigners here. And Fires that they can do see spread this. quickly. So. Yeah. So that I think it's sense. almost like, hey, come help me. But then when he gets there, he sees that the fire spread way faster than he thought. And he's like, okay, I have to use magic now. Right. That's kind of the way I felt that Fine. I guess interpreted. I, it's but. not like I had a huge problem with it. It just seemed a little funny. His motivation yeah. seemed a little funny at first. Um, well, why wouldn't he have tried magic first? Right. Yeah. But um, when you go into that house, so then it's like, oh, can you help my kid? And it's like, okay, fine, we'll do it. I think, I can't remember. I think the dog goes in already. Yes. Or, yeah. So it's like, all right, let's all go in. Um, the fire effect, though, inside of the house Pretty was cool. really good. Pretty cool. For yeah. like SNES Like a time, distortion man. effect. Yeah. Filter. Yeah. It looked really like really good fire. Yeah. I would not have thought to do it that way. It was really good. They had like a heat map kind of like, you know, warping yeah. the fire. It looked really nice. You fight basically <clears> just bomb enemies in here. Yeah, the a fire, bunch of fire dudes. Yeah. Fire enemies, yeah. Make your way through to the end. Um, let's see. I mean, you just kind of fight them over and over again. There's some yeah. treasure. There's not much story-wise until you get right. to the realm. boss. Fire spreading fast. It could collapse any second. We have to find Realm. Realm, where are you? Realm. Oh, no, it's too late because she's. they finally find her. I think they all end up getting kind of knocked out. And I like how you have Interceptor there who's kind of just like guarding them as these fireballs yeah, are just right. approaching Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Interceptor them. was there. He's like barking at them, yeah, like yeah. guarding the bodies. And then Shadow jumps down and you're like- He does sh- like a samurai move. <laughs> kills all five in one, yep. in one go as they kind of like switch places. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm disappointed that they didn't change this dialogue because it's so oh, no. weird. <laughs> Time to get out of here. I'll use a smoke bomb. <laughs> I know why though. Well, how would that help in anything uh, uh, other than, okay, here's, here's the implicate. The implication is once a ninja throws a smoke bomb, everyone just disappears. Yes. That's but that's not how it works. No, they, they throw the smoke ball to, to dis. To make to it so you can't see yeah, so they yeah. can run away. You don't know which way they went. You're in a burning building. You don't need a spread <laughs> smoke bomb. Why couldn't it be? <laughs> I'll use a warp stone or something yes, like this, something an item that, that we actually have at this point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Throw a smoke bomb and we're all just going to disappear. <laughs> this is really funny. Really funny. That's so good. I love that. Uh, um, yeah. In a burning building, I'm going to use a smoke bomb. Freaking weird. Oh, that was so funny. Also, anyway. uh, there's a comment here on our Patreon from Spidey Edris, who says, if only they, they, they didn't store so many flame rods in there. Oh, seriously, Apparently, there are a lot of flame well, rods in the chests. As they were talking, chests, though, yeah. as, the, as we were talking to the, the civilian, the citizens of the city, somebody mentioned, like, oh, no, this is the house where we <laughs> store all our flame rods. Ah, oh, dang it, why did we put them all in one place? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. The problem waiting to happen. So, uh... After we're all outside, Strago asks her, hey, are you okay? Yeah, thanks, Grandpa. These folks are the ones that you should be thanking. She says, thank you. I guess our little secret is out now. (laughs) Locke says, everyone in the village can use magic, can't they? What is this place? And so he goes on to explain, Mm -hmm. well, he says this is the village of the Magi in this version, but I think they call them magic Mm -hmm. warriors or, or, or magitech warriors. I can't remember what they call them in the SNES, but something warriors. Um, 
But in this translation, he just calls them the Magi. So the idea here is he goes on to explain yep, that. Mage warriors. Mage warriors. That's what it, it was. The village of the mage warriors. Yep. So um, basically a long time ago, humans used magicite to acquire magical powers. And those who gained the ability to use magic were people known as the Magi. And after the war ended, they were kind of like ostracized by people because because of their magical powers it's like oh you know you're too dangerous oh, it's your yes, fault yes. that this war started so yeah. they kind of isolated themselves on this island and i mm. guess using magicite has some kind of genetic effect on people because mm. it wasn't just that they had these crystals that gave them powers the, the they powers passed were passed down, down through the generations. generations. Although he does note that they weakened over time. Yeah. Right. So he's not as strong as now. Is that due to the genetic uh, deterioration? Yeah. Or is it due to the knowledge not being passed down? Yeah. Properly or I'm anything? not sure. But the fact that uh, that's true. It was it that they just taught them how to use magic or right. was it that they were born with natural magical capabilities genetically that's kind of the way i read it that's the way i, I read it genetically it i read it genetically too yeah uh, but even if you're genetically capable of doing something you will eventually lose it or be become less good at it if it's not something it, that's practiced right, or your taught. family didn't teach yeah. you how to use your strength sure. or whatever yeah sure so i thought that was kind of interesting um so there are other people in the world who were born with natural the natural ability to use magic, these people who were descendants of the Magi. Yeah. Um, so that's why it was called the War of the Magi, because the Magi were the people a thousand years ago who used yeah. magicite to gain magical abilities to fight. So anyway, uh, pretty interesting uh, as far as world building and lore goes. After the War of the Magi, the Espers fled to the new world beyond the sealed gate. They wished to live in peace without fear of their powers being used by others. They left only humans in this world, and the ordinary ones feared the Magi's power. The horror of the war was still fresh in their minds. Soon it turned into an inquisition. Oh, that's interesting. They didn't use that word in that no, translation. They didn't. No. no, not in the one I uh, Magi were hunted down and executed. Oh, there were trials, of course, but they were merely for show. Oh, that's funny, because um, in the SNES it says there weren't even any trials. <laughs> oh, wow. There were no trials. Um, Tara says, even though the only difference was that they could use magic, and Strago says, the few who managed to escape took up shelter here. They were our ancestors. Our powers have weakened as our Magi blood has thinned. So it is related oh, to blood. Oh, so it's blood. The yeah. SNES is a lot more vague on it's that It's way more vague, yeah. Yeah. He just says over time. Yeah. Our powers weakened over time. But they remain in some form or another. Good. Um, you can summon little droplets <laughs> trying to put out a house fire. <laughs> exactly. It's better you than know, nothing. I actually kind of like that touch. Like, it yeah. did make it seem like their powers were pretty weak. Yeah, it like, did. Right? It did. Because he yes. very much failed to douse the fire with yes. the magic that he had. So, And the whole village altogether yeah. failed miserably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So their powers are not potent or very not strong close, at all. Yeah. And it's like, by coming with us and using the magic that we have, it's like Strago and um, Realm are going to like probably become more like the magi of the past. Right. Right. Because we've got the magicite. Well, yeah. Although also like the blue mage connection of how he just kind of learns new yeah, magic. Yeah. He can kind I, of pick up on it. Yeah. I, that's more or less what I was referencing when I was talking about maybe it's a knowledge oh, thing. Oh yeah. Learning it. Because once he goes out in the world and sees magic, he can do powerful magic. Yeah, right? right. So despite his genetics having deteriorated. That's a good point. 
That's actually a really good point. That's why yeah. they made him Blue Mage because I think so. He has natural born magical capabilities. Yeah. He just hasn't like he just hasn't been around. He's has, in a xenophobic he had, village. <laughs> he hasn't had like a mentor, a, a, a magi mentor who could really teach him how to like take full advantage of him right. or something. That's pretty cool. Um, so he goes on to say, "You said you were looking for some espers, right? Well, I do owe you for saving Realm. I'll help you find your espers." Realm says, I want to go too. And he's like, I don't think so, young lady. <laughs> she calls him a fuddy-duddy. A fuddy-duddy. That's <laughs> great. The Japanese is just the word boring, but boring. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, where do we start? Says Locke. Strago, hmm. If they came this way, they may be hiding in the mountains to the west. And Locke says, why there? Strago says, the mountains are teeming with magical energy. According to legend, they're, uh, they're a sacred place for the espers. So these, these mountains are a sacred place for espers, mm-hmm. apparently. Uh, Tara says, perhaps the magic of that place drew them there after they went berserk. Let's go have a look. So Shadow leaves your party at this time. He does, but Interceptor is lags behind a little. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Shadow leaves and Interceptor comes back to like lick Realm's face or something and then <laughs> and then really leaves yeah. with Shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, you can talk to the village people around, right? This is um, re- referencing Realm in particular. Mm-hmm. But everybody... Like, Realm's got a really funny situation because she's living with her her grandfather, right? Mm-hmm. Whose struggle's not her father, it's her grandfather. Yeah. So it's like, well, we're, you know, Realm's, it's a weird situation to begin with. But as you talk to the villagers, you find out that she actually was like orphaned a long time ago. Right. And she, um, Strago just kind of take, take, took her in. Right. So Realm is a, is a, a really big mystery. Yeah. Uh, I like how Shadow says, don't get the wrong idea. I just wanted my dog back. <laughs> <laughs> don't misunderstand me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, would, I didn't come to save you. I came to save my dog. <laughs> You're <That's> leaving? Okay. <laughs> I'll search for the espers in my own way. In your own way. All right, dude. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to travel with you guys anymore. I'll do it myself. Um, okay, so then the esper caves. Uh, we, we come upon uh, three statues that are sort of oriented in a triangle. Yeah, this these is are the warring triad called just the goddess statues, I think, in the SNES. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the warring triad a little bit. Well, I guess we'll read what they say about it, and then maybe we'll dig a little yeah, further. Yeah, I've got the bit. SNES translation here, but. Okay. So Strago says, are these statues of the warring triad? Tara says, the warring triad? Locke says, there are letters chiseled into the back of these things. So uh, what's this warring triad? Strago says they're the legendary gods in that word, goddesses in, in that the SNES version. goddess. Yeah. I, Who created yeah. the power we know as magic. This actually reminded me a little bit of the three goddesses of the Zelda lore, right? Yes, me too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who yeah, sort yeah. of like made the world and yep. everything in it. Similar kind of thing, although they're gods, the not goddesses in this one. Yeah. In the retranslated version. So they're the gods of magic, says Locke. Strago says, you could say that. Terra says, this place is brimming with magic. Strago says, those three gods are the creators of magic, meaning they also created the espers. It's said that the espers once enshrined images of the gods in a holy place. This must be it. Hmm. Terra says, the espers must have been drawn here by the magic of these statues. Locke says, so what happened to the gods after they made the espers? Strago says, supposedly, they tired of their fighting and turned themselves to stone. Legend has it that they can be found beyond the sealed gate, resting in their eternal slumber. So it's important to mention that there's kind of two different sets of statues here. These three statues are not 
the warring triad. No. They're statues of the warring triad. Yeah, they're representative of that. And this is not clear at all in the SNES. In yes. fact, it even goes so far in the SNES translation to say that these stat these statues are the source of all magic. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I was expecting something a little more grand. A little more. It's like just some <laughs> random cave and there's these like three statues here. Yeah. Um, so these statues are representative of another Yes, group set of statues, of stone statues, which themselves are representative of the gods, yes. who themselves are the source of all magic. Yes. Right? It's like well, many steps removed. Right? What he says here is that they tired of their fighting and turned themselves to stone. Oh, so, so it I'm is pretty the sure okay. the stone statues are, are the, the gods. gods. Okay, so then yeah. these ones. Okay, so then those stone statues would be the source of all magic. Yes, correct. That makes sense. Okay, uh, and then these statues are representative of those these gold ones that are here in the cave. Yeah. Legend has it they can be found beyond the sealed gate. So they live in the Esper world, apparently, hmm. in an eternal slumber. So they were at war with each other, these gods. And they got tired of it, tired of the destruction. They turned themselves to stone. Tara says, I wonder if their magic is what connects the gate to the Esper world. Locke says, hmm. Tara says, if the Espers were drawn here by these statues, they could be just up ahead. And then Locke says, it's worth a look. Right. So before we get into... There, Another. Are, there are huge translation differences, by the way. <laughs> yeah, let's go over those. Okay, real they're quick. just like massive, massive. Um, <laughs> they really had to, like, uh, what's the word? They had to lighten this a lot for the SNES. So, first mm. off, Instead of gods, they're goddesses. It's not the statues themselves. The statues are symbols of another group of statues, right, that exist somewhere else. Um, but um, I did want to bring up, this is something very interesting. Um, first off, I'll just say that the translation's super different. I don't need, I don't want to go through like all line of the differences line. necessarily. Yeah. Cause you read what you read was from a, a more, the advanced translation. Right? Yeah. Correct. So that's fine. Um, but I do want to comment on it a little bit because, um, it seems like these statues discovered se the separation of powers, right? Mm. They discovered, uh, checks and balances. <laughs> they discovered. They do. Like, they, re they represent the three uh, factions of the government. <laughs> exactly. They really do. And so it's like any one of these will get too much power and destroy the world. We have to hold it in balance, right? And mm -hmm. one of them gets this and the other one gets that. And there it's the three. Very right? good point. The number three mm -hmm. is very uh, good. I'm going to get into it later, though. I kind of want to talk about it when we get to the other statues. Okay. Um, I think it'll be a little more. Um, Towards the end of this. Relevant. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but ancient gods having discovered checks and balances is just wonderful. Um, another thing is like, I think I kind of want to, maybe I'll do an, I probably won't actually do another video on this, but <laughs> I don't want to go into exactly what <clears throat> I can read through from this prophecy or from this like story here. Mm. But the Japanese in particular is, I think I know, I know the story they're trying, that it's trying to tell. And I mm. know kind of the theme that it's going for. And it is, um, it's very anti-religious, <laughs> like very anti-religious. Um, and there is this, this part here when like in a moment, a rare moment of mutual clarity, they all agreed to seal themselves from the world. With the last ounce of energy they had, they gave the espers back their own free will and then transformed themselves into stone. Their only request was that the espers keep them sealed away for all eternity, right? So it, it's so funny that you've got you've got this power, this magical power that comes from these, these gods. And 
they realize how destructive their power is and that the only solution is that they just be banished forever and let the humans kind of do whatever they want to do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Let the humans be humans. When the gods get involved, it creates, you know, nothing but destruction. Anyways, that's like a loose way to interpret more or less what this prophecy is at length, you know, trying to say. Um, It is an anti-religious message, which actually occurs quite often in Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Um, They'll often kind of do things like this, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, we like, did man, FF10. If, if only we got rid of those freaking gods. <laughs> we could have technology and gunpowder. The world would be so much better. Yeah, I mean, FF10, which we've also done a podcast series on, obviously. Yes, huge anti-religious had, message. Had yeah. some stuff there. Maybe yeah. maybe with FF10, it's not so much anti-religious as it is anti-theocracy. Anti-specific. Anti-your yeah, government being point. run by the religion yeah. more. Or anti-the religion being so... Um, Powerful. Rule laden. Yeah. yeah, with all the rules. And yeah, having the authority to enforce those rules. Yeah. Yeah. That that's you're right. Um and this one, it's not so big. It's just I I read that that myth and I'm just like, I know I know exactly <laughs> what they're trying to say. It's and then so like funny. Final Fantasy Tactics as well. You know, we we also covered that game and like the religion that the that yeah, game world had right. was had been lying for centuries the, um, to their people. And, the confessor, the high confessor, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, actually, all the demons had possessed like the the yeah. leaders of the church, <laughs> was, all the clergy. That was of the pretty. Church. That was a pretty intense <laughs> critique, right there. Yeah. So, anyway, um, so I'm going to read a little bit about the Warring Triad here, just to give a little more depth on this. So, three gods descended from the heavens, and fearing one another's power, began to war. The mortals caught among their fighting became espers and were forced to fight as slaves to the gods. See, that's crazy. Yeah. So the humans became espers. Yeah. Uh, they say mortals. And I, I wonder if that could mean another like race of people. Another race? Because uh, some of the espers look like dragons and stuff. Right? Yeah. Or if it is, like you're saying, because that was my first thought. Humans I thought were humans transformed too. into espers. Oh, but what's the Japanese They say, say mortals. But the, I'm not reading from the script here. I'm reading from like the wiki. So, oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm going to see if the script has anything. It's possible that. that somewhere it's mentioned that humans were transformed into espers. That would actually be kind of a cool detail if that was it. I think I would like that better. Yeah. But it just says mortals. So I'm just not sure about that. The Japanese just says something more um, like those caught in fighting. It doesn't say anything about mortals. Yeah. The gods realized the chaos their fighting was causing and agreed to seal away their power. They returned the espers free will and turned themselves to stone with the last words left for the espers being, never must we be woken. After the war of the Magi, the espers fled the world to a new realm and took the warring triads petrified remains with them. The triad were placed in a delicate balance of power. And it was said catastrophe would occur if they were moved out of position. So it's not even just like the concept that there there's some sort of like balance between. There's like physical balance between the actual positions of the statues yes. that like represents their balance of power. Yes. It's like the, an exact positioning between how they are aligned in a triangle like that also like equal, can, keeps that equilateral balance. triangle. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> I'm going to go into all of that <laughs> a little later here here soon. Okay, so a thousand years later, a man named Gestal rediscovers the secrets of magic. He built an empire and invaded the Esper world, kidnapping the Espers. We already know all this. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, that's kind of the the gist of what happened in the past, right? So that's yep. the Warring Triad. Um, let's see here. So in the cave, we well, oh, we, we have a, we can't skip over Ultros here. 
right. Freaking Ultros, man. So Ultros shows up in the middle of this. <laughs> These shiny golden statues are all mine. Now I'll finally be able to get some respect from Siegfried. Uh, Siegfried was the guy we fought on the on the train, wasn't he? That guy who like did a bunch of attacks and they totally sucked. Oh, was that was that him? Siegfried? Was that his I'm trying name? to remember. That was Siegfried, what wasn't was it? His name. Chat. Uh, I'm not mistaken. Am I? Siegfried, now. the freaking like joke boss we fought on the Phantom Train. Is that who Ultros is referring to here? I finally get some respect from Siegfried if he can like take these statues. Oh, they're all glowy and sparkly, so purty. Locke says, "Hey, Squid Brain, don't you ever learn?" <laughs> Siegfried, uh, it is Siegfried. Yeah, it is Siegfried. You're right. Yeah. It is Siegfried. I think he was Siegfried with a with a Z. Oh, okay. In the SNES, and he's it was changed to an S in this translation, which is why I might have been a little confused. But anyway, yeah, it's the same guy. So Ultros and Siegfried run in the same circles. By the way, I think we end up seeing. Uh, well, maybe it's a little bit later. We'll see a friend of Ultros <laughs> appear yes, a little bit yes. later too, mm -hmm. who looks just as jacked as him. He's hilarious. Okay, so uh, Ultros says, "Well, Mama always said I was a slow learner, but at least I never give up." I think in that one, he says, at least I eat quickly or something like that. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was so funny. Uh, weird. Um, so you start fighting him. Uh, thought you wouldn't see me again. I've got some, uh, I got more lives than I do arms. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Man, that was cheap. Sorry. So sorry. Uh, so you're, you know, fighting him. Realm shows up in the most fight. Oh, by the way, uh, going up into the caves, you would see her occasionally kind of pop yeah, out of the cave. Yeah, in the corners. And, and, and like run away again. Yeah. So she kind of followed us up here, right? Yep. So she shows up. Grandpa, I followed you here. Yes. All right. <laughs> Realm, I thought I told you to stay home. You know, I wanted to practice my drawing. I'm a budding virtuoso after all. <laughs> hey there, what's your name? She says to the freaking like giant octopus monster. <laughs> How dare you ask me my name? As if anyone wouldn't already know the great Ultros. Locke says, a pint-sized virtuoso and an egotistical octopus. Do we even want to know what happens next? Realm says, hey, Ulti, <laughs> why don't you pose so I can draw your picture? He's, Ulti, the nerve of this brat. Look, I'm not <laughs> one of your kitty friends. I don't want you to draw my stinking portrait. And then I, this was this part was so funny to me. She's like, "Okay, forget it." Then and she's like crying. I don't want to draw your picture anyway. It's okay. I'll just jump off this ledge. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll just fetch you kill myself. Tara's <laughs> 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 like, "No, you can't do that." What the heck? <laughs> and she's like, she's like, whisper, whisper, whisper. <laughs> I'm not. Really I'm not really gonna kill myself. I'm just trying to like trick him. That was so funny. <laughs> but like to jump that far. To go that far. Was really funny. Like so I just funny. like did not, you know, first time playing, did not see it coming. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. It's That's so the, the lone wolf strategy. I know, right? <laughs> a man chooses a slave obeys. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Realm is also a freaking um, libertarian, I guess. Oh my gosh. Um, yes, apparently. Anyways, so Ooh. Tara then, you know, in on the Joe or in on the plan. How dare you tease that little girl? And if anything happens to her, I'm not going to forgive you. And he starts to feel bad. I mean, I didn't. Well, geez, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Locke's like, let her draw your picture. Maybe she'll even make you look good. <laughs> I'm not cut out for this sort of thing. And then he then says to myself, and Ultros pauses for a long time. Oh, all right. Uncle Ulti really, really wants you to draw his Uncle picture. Ulti. That is so good. <laughs> he even adopts the language. That is so funny. So then Realm says, hee hee hee, you're going to love yeah. it. And so this is where you draw the sketch. 
and he sees himself yes. to the first this time. So it's like, how can this be? I'm just a stupid octopus. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. He didn't even know what he was. He didn't even know what he was. I think that's true. Though. That is the, so awesome. How can this be? I'm nothing more than a stupid octopus. <laughs> he had no idea. That is so funny. I can't like uh, that. Had me laughing. It's probably for, the funniest part of the game. Straight after that, it and was I, so. I keep funny. saying that. Like the first time, it's <laughs> like the, funny. it gets it's funnier funny. and funnier as it goes. But it this does. is my favorite funny moment in the game so far. Like, he had no idea what he looked like, and that's when he's defeated. Like, yes. it's over at that Just, point. Just, like, gives up. <laughs> it's like, this is what you are. That's so funny. Yep. So then uh, they, you know, fight a little bit back and forth about, why'd you come here? Fine, we'll let you come with us, you know. Um, so she becomes a playable character at this point. And you wander forward a little bit, and you reach the espers. So um, you see one, Realm walks up to it. Is this an esper? And Strago like says, the, "What are the they? Anime what guy are they with doing?" The butterfly and yeah, yeah, the little like fairy looking. Is this an esper? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, the meme, the, the meme. meme where he's pointing at a butter. Yes, 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 the meme. I know what you're talking about. Too good. Is this an esper? <laughs> Got to put that on screen. Um, I had no idea there were so many. Says Tara. Locke says, "Gramps, take realm and get out of here." And then we have one of the espers. Yura says, "Wait, uh, what is it? I sense incredible magic power." Says Strago. In Terra. No, it's more than just magic. So like, yeah, there it is. Is Someone is put it in our, in our chat here. <laughs> is this an Esper? <laughs> um, so Terra's kind of radiating with power again. So it seems like when she gets close to Esper's, this happens. You know, she sort of starts to yeah. radiate power. Um, so I'm going to skip a little bit. The, the gist of this conversation is more or less that the... Aspers went on a rampage. They feel bad about it. They yeah. they know it was wrong. They kind of lost um, it. Sort of like when Terra first transformed into an Esper, she just kind of lost yeah, her mind a little bit. Right. That's what happens when the Espers. It's like go crazy. It's like our atmosphere is made of crack cocaine or something. <laughs> because as soon as they touch it, they're just like blah. They freak out and just destroy everything. They lose their mind, and then they're all like embarrassed about it when they're in the yeah. cave. They're like, "Sorry, we killed half your people and destroyed your entire cities." Yeah, so okay. Yura says, when Terra yeah. opened the gate for us, we were finally able to escape, but the moment we stepped into your world, we completely lost control of our powers. Yeah, dude. We destroyed an entire city and attacked people who had done no wrong. Terra says, the same thing happened to me. When that power suddenly stirred inside me, I had no control over it. Strago says, uh, there must be something in your world that dampens your powers. Freed from their range, your powers ran wild. Mm. So like you're saying, crack cocaine in the atmosphere, I don't know. Yeah, dude, LSD, <laughs> breathing that oxygen just like yeah. makes them freak out. So then Yura says, it seems even we espers can lose our senses and do unforgivable things. I'm truly sorry. So this is where Locke brings up, okay, you know, the Empire wants to talk peace. Will you come with us? And, and you're like, well, they're going to forgive us? And he's like, I think so. Like, heads back to Thamasa and meet with General Leo. So right. this scene is awesome. Uh, this scene is it's crazy. amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. So Leo's there. Celeste is there. Yura and Leo start talking uh, and basically reach some agreement to, you know, have a peace. I'm General Leo of the Empire. Might I have your name? I am Yura. Yura says, what we have done to your people is inexcusable. We are in no position to ask for your forgiveness, but. Then Leo says, speak no further. We did not seek uh, you out to chastise you for past mistakes. It is we who ought to be ashamed. 
We thought of only we thought of you only as a means by which to wage war. How close we came to bringing about a second war of the Magi. Let's put this all behind us. Let's go back to Vector. I think our work is finally done. I like how they even have Locke yeah. sort of like look to the audience and like wave like <laughs> it's over. Good job. Yeah. And like Celeste and Locke come together and they're, they're yeah, sort of Celeste like making up, yeah. up now. It's like <laughs> the end is nigh. We're about yeah. ready to finish up and good games. Good so, game. so yeah, Locke is like game. Celeste, like, are yeah. you okay with me now? Actually, I, I forgot that earlier I, I meant to bring this up when we arrived at Crescent Island and um, we were getting off the ship. Celeste then sort of tries to call out to Locke and he ignores her and gets off the ship. So they were kind of mm. both mad at each other. So she was like ignoring him, not speaking to him, right. like giving him the cold and then shoulder. His turn. And then he gave her yeah. the cold shoulder back. And so now, you know, I like how they have a, that kind of back and forth between them when they were struggling to kind of make up or whatever. But now they are. Because she says, please don't say anything. You know, like, I understand. I forgive yeah. you. Everything's good. Now, a really weird translation in the SNES version. Realm says something like, I'm too hot, Grandpa, after that. But oh, what she was yeah, really trying to, yeah. what she really meant was, those two are really hot and heavy, huh, Grandpa? <laughs> You're commenting on Celeste and, yeah, and okay. Locke. I did not being in love. <laughs> I just thought it was getting hot. I don't know. Yeah, and Strago yeah. says, they're young, my dear. <laughs> so that's what it was supposed to be, right? And then enter Kafka. I freaking love this. You get his little theme coming in. How about a little Magitech mayhem? Leo's like, Kafka, what are you doing here? The Emperor's orders. I'm to turn all these espers into Magicite. Behold, the Magicite motherload. And he just starts killing them, blowing everybody up. The music that then starts playing yes, too as things start intense. It's dude. really good. It's awesome. It's an incredible track, and I've had it in my head all day too. And I'm just I it, it really yes it really gives you a sense of like how it's heavy. Just like how everything is falling apart. Yeah. Right. Everything is breaking apart, and Kefka is just and it's crazy. I, he has this incredible power just out yes. of nowhere. He shows up yes. and these even these espers who have shown to be quite powerful although humans can capture them easily apparently. Um, <laughs> that he is just one-shotting them. Boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom. K O K O K O collecting all the magicite. Um, I still don't know how magicite works. A lot of people were speculating in the comments that the espers have to will their death. Yeah, make, in order uh, to That's not what happens here. No, Kefka's yeah, he, he just like, you, 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 boom, to dead, 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 collects all the magic. Yeah, they're not doing it willingly in this scene, yeah. so I don't think it's that. I don't think yeah. so, but like, anyways, for whatever reason, they weren't getting Magicide before, and now they are. I, I still haven't figured that one out yet. Um, but the music that plays just gives you this crazy, it's like mayhem, it is absolute mayhem. Mm. Like, chaos is being unleashed. General Leo tries to like, um, stop him. He kills General Leo. Just yep. like, boom, Straight dead. up. And then he keeps zapping, and then more um, more of the espers keep showing up, and he's just like, as if that it was like nothing to him. He's laughing yeah. the whole time. Well, Crazy. what I love about this, too, is that that, because we were talking about, oh, you know, he's been weak every time we've fought him in the past yeah. and stuff like that. But Leo actually fights Kefka here. Right. And in that battle, because you're controlling Leo. Yes, yeah. Kefka does essentially zero damage to Leo. And he mm. just shocks him, shocks him, and kills him. But right. then 
it was all along, that was like a shadow of Kefka. And Kefka mm. was disguised in this scene as the emperor who talks right. to Leo for That's a second, right? right? He's That's like, right. That's I'm right. sorry I deceived you. Right. My real purpose was to gather magicite and become powerful. And then Leo is like, like oh, what? my liege, what have I been fighting for and all this? Yeah, yeah. And then he transforms back into the real Kefka. Yeah. And that's when he starts being massively, massively powerful. Yeah. So it makes me that's wonder right. if right. this Kefka we've been fighting the whole game was, like with some sort of right. projection <laughs> shadow, huh, like not the real one. And the one that was like imprisoned or whatever, right? And he was kind of maybe somewhere else watching this all along, orchestrating it, sort of like pup puppeteering behind the scenes or whatever. Mm. I don't know if that's true. I'm not saying it is, but I kind of got that sense because well, he's capable of something like that. It yeah. Seems. Yeah. Like he is really powerful. People have told us he's really powerful, but yeah. he wasn't powerful every time we encountered him yeah. until now after the shade was destroyed by Leo and then the real Kefka comes out and he just like banishing these things and just like immediately one-shotting them and just gathering all the magicite, yeah. just, just like losing his mind. Ultimate like power. this is the Kefka people yeah. we're talking about, yeah. not the dude we've been fighting up till now. So it's a crazy scene. It is. And then um, Kefka, he like blasts our whole party down too. It just like with lightning, he just like makes it so that our whole party's like gets, out yeah. too, just like in one hit. So we never even fight him and he just kind of has to do all this. Yep. And we wake up it's and crazy. basically Leo is dead. I really like what Leo's they dead. do with that the too funeral. because, well, even before the funeral, the mm -hmm. way that, the way that Kefka kills him. So like he no. does some magic that knocks him down and then he, they show him jump and like you hear That's a right. knife stab and there's just yeah. a flash of red, the whole screen. That's right. The screen turns <laughs> red. Yep. And he's just like laughing over his corpse. It's just like really intense. And then, yeah, when our, when our party comes to later, we're seeing them kind of putting flowers on the grave of Leo. And again, this is, this hits heavy for Tara because this was the person who was going Finally, to act yeah. as that like mentor character to help, help her, her just, you know, sort of figure out her place in the world. <laughs> what I love about this for Tara in particular is that as I guess as much as Locke tried earlier on or as the, the returners sort of like tried to welcome her, she never really felt like she had a place no, even with really. the good guys in this game. Right. That's and true. it's like anytime there seems to be someone who she might attach herself to, something happens to yeah. take it away. So Celeste yeah. comes along and now Locke is more, you know, worried about her than about Tara. Leo comes along. Now he's just murdered. And so it's like she feels like she has no place in this world. It, it just keeps like eluding her a mm -hmm. place to belong yep. to. Right. And this will be key for probably what we talk about, if not next episode, then the one after that. Um, but it's 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 just a heartbreaking thing for her. Like she f again finally felt like there was going to be somebody who she felt like she could belong to or with, or as part of a family or group, a tribe, so to speak. Yeah. And then he's taken away. And so, um, but this is where the party comes back. Uh, the airship has been repaired. Yeah, they all fly in, and. Um, they come and they say, oh, the emperor is a liar. Like, yeah. we, we barely made it out in time. Uh, we repaired the airship and whatnot. And this is what I was alluding to earlier where I thought they probably tried to bring some lightheartedness in a little too early off the oh, back of the one? heaviest scene in the game yeah, so far. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like, uh, Edgar says, I 
got to know like the girl who would bring us tea that's right and so like she (laughs) spilled the beans about the plan and we were really good way and they like tease him about like oh you were trying to like hook up with her or whatever he's like a gentleman no i was a perfect gentleman the whole time and he's like laughing there are laughing about it there's a sprite he's like laughing about it and they have a couple of times where they're laughing back and forth about you know He's a he's this you know wannabe ladies man. It's yes. like yeah, uh, Kefka just like slaughtered <laughs> yeah. all of the espers. All the espers and Leo's Leo. dead. And like this is a really dire situation. Yeah. Well, we and probably shouldn't be joking about exactly. this right now. <laughs> well, and and the dog shows up too, and Locke. Um, oh yeah, he's injured. Locke infers from the state of the dog that Shadow has been. Shadow's killed. been killed. Yeah, that dog is never without Shadow. Yeah. So it's like what? So all these people are dying, and Edgar's just like yeah, they're just like trying to get about with it. these girls. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Not, it, it, not anything that like ruins it, but it's just like, eh, probably could have waited a little bit. A little bit. For, to bring in some more A little jokes. bit longer. Maybe that's optional instance. dialogue inside of the airship instead of, yeah. 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 So, um, um, you so, got notes? Well, I just wanted to bring up around this point that I actually have, this game gives me a lot of Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy VIII vibes. Oh, Like right. in particular. Especially X vibes for from... When those espers are flying around and we're having to like battle stuff from the bridge of the ship. Oh yes, right. And mm-hmm. we're like fighting things as we're flying through the air. Yep. That's just a Final Fantasy X yep, throwback totally. for me. Uh, Final Fantasy VIII. Um, I just I'm getting a lot of that kind of stuff. I don't know with some other romance or I can't remember exactly um, what it was, but th- this section of the game. Oh, that's right. There was a part where you go through this like lava. Um, what do you call it? a lava dungeon type place? Um, that happens. You can do it. I think um, around this time. And it reminded me of the first dungeon of Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, well, yeah, where yeah, you're yeah. kind of going through a maze with lava on either side. Um, the cave just, that leads to the sealed gate, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, there's a lot of stuff here that I've been noticing that it's not just like Final Fantasy VII, of course, a lot of these ideas, and Xenogears, but eight and 10 and pr- maybe nine as well. Somebody brought in a possible connection earlier. Um, a lot of these g- games that come later are drawn yeah. heavily from Final Fantasy VI. For sure. Um, so you're back on the airship here. Oh, uh, Edgar. That's right. Edgar also has another line. Edgar says that Realm, ha- he oh, asks how old, how old she is. Are, yeah, it's like, how old this... are you? And she goes 10. He goes, wow, she's grown up fast. Yeah. Implying that he knows who she is or that, I don't know if what he's saying, I don't know exactly what he's saying, but he's implying that he knew Realm from a previous time. Right, and that she has yeah, grown up fast. I um, what what else can be inferred from that? I thought it was really weird in the SNES script, and it's a little oh, bit clearer here. So it? let's let's okay. go over this, like because it it almost came across in the SNES script like he was asking how old she was because he was trying to determine yes, whether he should hit on her exa- or something. I, that's what I, I was like. Thought at uh, first. That's uncomfortable. Yes, but okay. In this version, Realm says to him, "What's wrong, lover boy?" And he says, how old are you? So in response yes. to that line, it's, exactly. it's way better, right? It's yeah. like, she says to him, lover boy. And he's like, right. you're calling, how old are you? Like, what are you doing okay. calling me lover that boy? That makes a little more sense. Way, way That's better, right? way better. And then Realm says, 10, why? And he says, and then she's like, weirdo, I'm going on ahead, okay? And he says, not even a lady yet. Here's hoping you're still around in eight years, kid. So like- Oh, I know what he's saying now. Yes. I know what he's saying. Okay, so when he says- You've grown up entirely too fast. Yes. Is what he says in the SNES. What he's referring to is you're a child, but you're acting like an adult. Yes. Ah, like you're in a hurry to grow up. Yes. Oh, golly, man. I, if uh, we haven't emphasized yeah. this enough yet, 
This version of the script is way better than the SNES version. It is much better. It's way, way clearer, way better. This can lead you down a path that I don't need to extrapolate, (laughs) but that can make you wonder multiple things. Yeah. But one of them being like what the connection is between the two of them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So back on the blackjack here, um, the Imperials were headed for the Seagate. Although, what'd you got? The Japanese is worse. (laughs) Yeah. Great. <laughs> Do you guys want to know what the Japanese Let's says? Let's see what it says. It says something along the lines of, it would be criminal. I'd better not. Oh, I remember hearing this. Yep. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they changed that for the um, <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Let's just not dwell on that. Well, he's actually kind of asking a question to himself. Like, is it really a crime? Oh, God. I'd better not. Stop. Sorry, sorry. Okay. I don't, we might edit that part out. I don't know if the people <laughs> need to know that. You don't need to look at Edgar in, in that light. In this light. Honestly, I prefer Saban, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, remember earlier I, I don't when, want when, to when you were Edgar. saying, I'm not implying that Edgar's a pedophile. Well, well me, in the <laughs> Japanese script, they kind of are a little bit. <laughs> Someone's putting <clears> a... Uh, a gift Ooh. here of like the FBI like breaking <laughs> in to like an apartment building. <laughs> and it's Edgar. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. I, I, I have not seen the That's Japanese overstep up. its, you know, realm yeah. uh, yet in the script. And there you go. There it was. Yeah. So I like the advanced version of the script. That's my headcanon. <laughs> yeah. I'm keeping that version. Even better than the Japanese. <clears throat> Okay, so Setzer here. The Imperials were heading for the sealed gate, said they'd found some statues or something. Yeah. Strago says, it couldn't be. And then we cut to Gestahl at the doors of the sealed gate with Kefka. Yeah. Oh, those half-witted espers to think they would open the gate for us themselves. And they did. I think yeah. that while Kefka was killing a bunch of espers, the gates opened and more espers came out. Yeah, they said, we're coming to help or yeah. something like and that. Yeah, and he just killed all of them too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so they opened their own gate to try to... Um, rescue their own espers and uh, maybe they shouldn't have yeah uh the warring triad is waiting just beyond that door i need only to reach out and claim it for my own and all my dreams will be fulfilled and then he turns to kefka and says hurry up and like kefka's like oh and like is following him Mm. so kefka and gestal are on their way um to the warring triad uh, Celeste says, what's wrong, Tara? And, and Tara says, the island, something's happening. The earth is crying out. And this is, this is, I think, where you see, like, the earthquake that splits the earth and, like, the island just, like, rises When it first happens, air. yeah. And it's like a triangle-shaped island. Such a cool shot, Yeah, too. really cool. Yeah, like a crescent. Especially in the 2D shape. that they did it in. Yeah. Like, they were able to really sell it. Yeah, and it's just like, you just see it, like, ascending yeah. into the sky. It's like a, cool. a floating continent now, like up above, right? Yep. And Gestal says, Mwahaha, so this is the power of the warring triad. With this and my magicite, the world will be mine to command. And Strago says, the source of all magic, the warring triad. The warring triad. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Tara says, those things? <laughs> Strago says, they are said to have turned themselves to stone. We already went through this facing one another. So he just explains a little bit more about it. Yep. Them. For all the kids that skipped the dialogue that skipped before. Skipped the dialogue earlier. Um, so you got to form a party. You got to go to Get on the airship, the airship uh, yep. and, and go, you know, confront the, the emperor and Kefka. 
and on the, the way, Ultraos shows up again. Yep. But this time he's with his friend, yep. Mr. Chupon. <laughs> what, what they call him Typh- Typhon in this Typhon, version. okay. But, it's yeah. Chupon in this. Chupon. Uh, so Ultraos looks like I lose again if you uh, defeat him, I guess. Well, no, hold on. What does he say before that? I think I skipped some stuff here. There is something strange up ahead. It's coming this way. And then when Ultras attacks. No, really, this is our last battle, honest. That's what he says. <laughs> okay, for real this time. This is it. I'm going to kill you this time. This That's is our last hilarious. battle. And it really is true. And I love how when you defeat Ultras here, he doesn't say anything. You just never see him again. <laughs> oh, wow. It's just like Ultras is dead now. Like he killed him. It's over. He really, well, I, I, it's almost like. He fell off the edge of the airship, right? Yeah, it's almost like a fourth wall break. It's like the, it's like <laughs> the devs are saying to us, I promise this is the last time you have to fight this guy. <laughs> This is the last fight, okay? Just put up with one more. Say so this game's going to get a lot less funny at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that could pretty be much, yeah. Yeah. So, looks like I lose again, but today I uh, brought along my buddy, Mr. Typhon. Come on down. He's like, Flaw! Just this other Jack. So, octopus, you fight octopus. him, fight him. Uh, he's not so great with words, but his strength will blow you away. <laughs> I try not to make him mad. He gets angry when he's irritated. He's giving you clues, I think, about... Hmm. I I think you can cheese this fight. I I think you can silence Typhon, and like oh, then he no can't way. even attack you. And then you can use, I don't is it? I think it's the Phantom Magicite. If you summon it, it turns all your guys invisible, which means you can't be hit by physical attacks. Nice. And then you've muted Typhon, so he can't cast magic, so you can't be hit. <laughs> that's, so that's pretty good. A pretty interesting way to like cheese the fight, but. You know, just the other day I was taking a snooze when he came along and decided to start gnawing on my head. Let me tell you, this guy's got sharp teeth. Anyways, you kill him and then they're gone. So yeah. now we're on the floating continent. Yeah, we jump off the ship, or we fall off the ship. Yeah. Actually. No, jump off. Yeah. And then uh, fall for a really long time <laughs> <laughs> through the clouds and then land on the floating continent. And the first uh, person that we see is Shadow. He's like mm-hmm. kind of jacked, on, lying on the ground. Yep. And we go and talk to him and he's, uh, well, he feels shame. Yeah, he says he sold his skills to the empire. Yeah, he says filthy double-crossing empire tried to off me the second I had served my purpose. They're like, Shadow, we thought you were dead. And he's like, is Interceptor all right? He's fine. Come on, let's go. Just leave me here. Sorry, that's not happening. So, uh, yeah. Um, Yep. Let's see. So there's a dungeon here. Going to go through. The, The final boss of this area is... The Ultima weapon. My name is Ultima. I am both power and uh, I I am power both ancient and unrivaled. I do not bleed, for I am but strength Mm. given form. Feeble creatures of flesh, your time is nigh. Pretty, pretty awesome. That's pretty (laughs) beast. You defeat him, and then you confront Gestalt directly. And this is the last part we're going to be uh, leaving off on today. Uh, so, so Shadow leaves at this time if he's in the party. He does. I have yeah. no right to fight at your side. Not after I sold myself the Empire. He takes off. So, um, <clears throat> go ahead. Well, I, I have a few I have a few notes. I want to read some comments before. I just kind of wanted to make okay. sure that we actually get to this part of the game yeah. <laughs> before I before read them. Before you read them. Um, so first off, it's really important. We need to understand Kefka's character here at this point. Okay. Um, because what he does just doesn't really make a ton of sense. Um because he's uh, just psycho and wants to just break the world just because it's because it's fun, I guess. Yeah. Um, so the last episode, um, we talked a little bit about. I, I made a guess at to, as to what Gestal means. Um, yeah. 
Gestalt, I, I look at it as something like a ghost, right? That's not very good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's better to say something like a form or a pattern or something like that than to say that, that like a spirit. I, I would say that's close enough, but a ghost is probably a little too far. Um, so like the word geist would mean ghost. A gestalt would be like you, you, you get the shape of something that isn't implicit in any of the parts, but when it all comes together, you now understand what it is, mm-hmm. right? And I would say that that's like the spirit of the thing, you know, but... Some of its parts. The identity of it yeah. being. And so um, this is interesting, though, because we got some really good comments. So I'm just going to read a couple. I'm going to read about Kefka first, because Kefka, the, the difference between a gestalt and Kafka is... Um, exemplified in the characters Gestal and Kefka. So Eric uh, McLennan wrote a comment on our last video, and he said, My take on Kefka and Gestal for a long time has been Kafka and Gestalt. Kefka is a Kafka-esque antagonist, meaning he's needlessly cruel, he's chaotic, and he makes very little sense. But Gestal is Gestalt which is a philosophical term denoting a concept which may not be immediately obvious, but which comes into view upon use of pattern recognition faculties, not unlike a magic eye image. That's pretty good. I can never do those, though, because mm. I'm a lazy eye. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. never do Where the magic to, eye image. You have images. to, like, slightly cross I can't do it. in order to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love those. Ugh. Uh, the significance there would be that Gestal, the emperor, embodies the conceptual idea of the empire. He has intense and evil goals, but he is guided by a principle and won't cross certain lines, as shown on the floating island. Uh, and then Mix uh, responded to that and says there's an article um, called The Essence of Kafkaesque. And the question is, what is Kafkaesque, right? And this person says, it's when you enter a surreal world in which all your control patterns, all your plans, the whole way in which you've configured your own behavior begins to fall to pieces. You don't give up. You don't lie down and die. But what you do is struggle against it with all of your equipment, with whatever you have. But of course, you don't stand a chance. Mm. That's Kafkaesque. Uh, if anything, and this is still mixed, continuing here, if anything, Kefka and Gestal map onto excessive chaos and law, respectively, or order, yeah, right? they're kind of two sides. Exactly. Yeah. So um, both are a threat to the world of balance. The, the threat Gestal represents is despotism, a Faustian desire for the possession of all, empire building, and the dream of a thousand-year kingdom. Kefka, on the other hand, represents the precariousness of that order, an incomprehensible being who just wants to watch the world burn, someone unintelligible and foreign to the very concepts that govern humanity itself. And then... <laughs> A, a, a great, great legendary YouTube user with the name Jeebus Crust <laughs> said, I really like the law slash chaos analogy here, showing that sort of horseshoe effect of extremes. Yes. We talked about that we in Bioshock. We talked about that in the Bioshock Yeah, podcast. where it's yeah. like the extremes, instead of thinking that as a, as a line, you think of it as a horseshoe. They actually approach each other. Yeah. Right? He says, this shows that the sort of horseshoe effect with chaos comes an extreme of release of, ener- um, of release of energy, but unable to hold a form. With excess order or law comes the inflexible rigidity. Its energy is locked away in an unusable form. Both paths lead to a sort of entropy, mm-hmm. right? So I thought that was good. And then Mick says, yes. Uh, he talks about the yin and yang symbol that is associated with despotism and authoritism on the yang side, right? And then nihilism or, uh, on the chaos or the yin side. So, okay. Now I have to talk about the word gestalt just a little bit. There's just a little bit more. Because on the last episode about the word gestalt, um, 
Eduardo Portas said, on the Gestalt thing, the word is not to be confused with the German word Geist. Gestalt refers to an organized whole that is perceived as more than the sum of its parts. It's clearly linked to Emperor Gestalt in Final Fantasy VI in the underlining concentration of power he desires. It also links to the Gestalt school of psychology, which is patterns and individuality of the heroes, like Terra, right, which is more individual and then gestalt is the gestalt of his empire which is just embodying the pattern right whereas yeah. Terra is like a person um and then mix also responded to that one he said that that also signifies the mentality underpinning gestalt and the gestalian empire that any action however cruel is justified so long as it brings into fruition gestalt's personal ambitions for a long-lasting kingdom like faust this mentality thinks little to nothing for the individual lives that must be trampled over in order to make that dream come true. So you get a little bit of the difference between what Kefka wants and what Gestalt wants. Mm -hmm. And it's going to, in this scene, it's going to come to a head and somebody's going to win. Right, because Kefka does not at his heart, at his core, he's a clown. <laughs> he does not want what Gestalt wants. Yes. Gestalt wants order. Mm-hmm. He wants to order the world, just his order, his mm-hmm. personal desires. But he is going to will, you know, Nietzschean, you know, will his like. Um, he's going to exert his will on the world and shape it into his image. Right. Yeah. Kefka wants to just break things and throw everything into chaos. That's yep. all Kefka really wants. Right. Um, and while doing so, he would probably rather not die, I suppose. Yeah. That's probably, that's about it. That's um, about it. So, uh, okay. So we're going to uh, go forward here. <laughs> I had some other lines, but I'll bring those in next time. Um, so we're getting in here now to uh, the three statues. The three statues. Um, should we talk about this or should we read the scene a little bit? Um so what are you referring talking to before? The, just about what a triangle means in um, terms of sacred geometry. Let's read the scene first, and then okay. we'll do that. I thought so. That's perfect. So, okay. Gestalt says, well, well, look who's here. And oh, Celeste, well. if she's not in your party, she will now show up. That's right. She says, I followed you. I have a score to settle with the Empire. Gestal says, so you came uh, to die together then. Well, you're just in time. Behold the warring triad. Oh, what power. I've got goosebumps. Celeste says, Emperor Gestalt, please stop this madness. Gestalt says, Celeste, child, you alone are special. Why don't I give you and Kefka the task of creating progeny to populate my new magical empire? <laughs> it's just like, what the fetch, dude? Yeah, <laughs> my new well. Magitek empire. I'm going to make you and Kefka like <laughs> mate to create more Magitek. <laughs> or, or, like, uh, Probably would army. be a pretty powerful kid if you Probably. think about it. Kefka says, kill the others and we'll forgive your treachery and take this sword. Kill them. Gestalt says, Celeste, together we will rule the world. Yes. There's a little Star Wars something going on there. there. Um, They give her a sword. (laughs) Yeah. She's fighting against them and they give her a sword. Anyways, she probably had her own weapon anyways. It doesn't matter. They didn't need to give her anything. But I just think it's kind of funny when... uh, they give her the sword they're, they're, and then she uses it on them. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I could not have foreseen this. Uh. They so they funny. really wanted some Magitek babies. Yes. They apparently. were really hoping for Well, them. who would say no to such power? That's something that <laughs> That's Gestalt That's would true. probably, or even Kefka. Yeah. They both are so power hungry. They're just like, oh yeah, they'll definitely do this. So she says, power only breeds war. It's something we'd all be better off without. Ouch! Because <laughs> she stabs Kefka. Blood! Wait. Blood! Oh Blood! He's like pissed. 
So you vicious brat. Oh, you know, that's right. you really stupid, <laughs> vicious, arrogant, whiny, pampered, backstabbing, worthless little brat. He's freaking out. <laughs> Gods, you were born to fight. Now is the time. I implore you, show me your power. <laughs> She's like, he's like begging her at this point. Like, please fight. <laughs> I want to yeah. fight so bad. Let me in here. Grr. Now listen to me. No more playing games. I command you. Show me your power. He's saying this to the statues now. Kefla's. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And Gestalt's like, wait a second. <laughs> Stop. If you revive them, they'll destroy the very world we want to rule. There's no value in that. And he says, shut up. Kefka, are you mad? Mad? Emperor Gestalt, what are you saying? This is the perfect chance to show them the power of the warring triad. And he says, oh, Kefka, you poor hopeless thing. I'm afraid you leave me no choice. So now Gestalt yep. is going to face against Kefka. No hard feelings now. I'm just going to use this power you've unleashed to put you to sleep. What's so funny? Because he's just laughing. Kefka's just, Kefka's laughing, just laughing at him. Very well. I suppose it's only fitting you go out laughing. And he casts Firaga and Flare, like late level spells. I guess it would be Fire 3 in that version. You know, uh, <laughs> high level magic. Yeah. What's going on? Why isn't my magic working? He casts Meltdown, which is like a really powerful late game spell. Kefka, how? How are you doing this? And he says... How, you ask? By standing at the center of the warring triad, of course. Right. They absorb all the magic sent their way, or hadn't you noticed? So he went and stood in yep. the center of the statues, and that's why he wasn't able to be hit by the magic, because it was absorbed by the statues themselves. Gestalt's like, what? And then Kefka says, triad, your first victim has stepped forward. Show this useless old man your true power. No, Kefka, stop playing around. I said, show him your power incredible <laughs> it's like lightning bolts that are yeah. hitting but they're kind of missing at first yeah and kefka's like ah like what go a little to the left a little to the right no can't go you forward, do better than backwards. that you're way off where are you aiming <laughs> more to the right run run or you will be well done and he's okay. saying to them you know, bullseye hit him Boom. Yep. oh dear well i guess i was a bit hasty in calling you a useless old man before now you're useless Gestalt says the world's about to learn the meaning of fear. That's good, man. Yeah, it's really That's good. That's good. Because <laughs> oh, it's like, okay, if I'm not here, you thought I was bad. See, this is <laughs> great. Wait. It's like Gestalt, Gestalt was actually keeping Kefka from yeah. taking power in, in a certain way, right? Where it's like, you think that if you get rid of Gestalt, then you've just saved everything, right? Mm. But you never know who is behind a, a, a dictator that is evil, right? You never mm. know who's behind them. Yep. And as soon as you take something down, it's like pff, the power vacuum gets consumed by something else and you don't really know what it is. And yep. as it turns out, you know, there can be certain leaders throughout history where it's like, you thought that they were the problem and after you killed them, you realized yeah, what the real problem, problem definitely was. Definitely something It worse. was somebody else, yeah. You yeah, think it did something, and then it's like, oh, maybe it's like, maybe you made it worse somehow. Are we the baddies? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so then Kefka starts pushing the statues out of balance. And Celeste says, Kefka, you yeah. mustn't, if you disturb the balance, the world will run wild, or the power will run wild. Kefka says, who's that? Oof. And because Shadow had like leapt in. So like you get this shot where he's like That's in slow right. motion, he just like jumps through. That was through, pretty cool. And he starts like pushing, he pushes one of the statues, like it looks like onto Kefka, like trapping yeah, him kind of. something like that, kind of traps yeah. him a little. And he's like, yeah. oh, who is that? Like, what are you doing? And Shadow says, forget about me, run, there's no stopping this now. Yeah, I'll find my way back, trust me. And so we're all running, 
because the power is running wild. It's been made out of balance. Yep. And uh, so you run, run, it's run, no run, run, run away. Collateral triangle. And uh, you have a choice here. So you get to the airship at the end of this, and there's a timer. There's like a timer counting right, down. Yeah, yeah. You got to jump off before it runs out. And you, if you do this, if you jump off uh, before Shadow returns, Shadow will die permanently. Oh, really? In the game. Hmm. If you don't wait for him, right? But if you wait, it, I mean, it counts down all the way. It gets down to like five seconds before Shadow will finally arrive. Hmm. But if you jump before he gets there, Shadow dies permanently. He'll never return. So make sure you wait. <laughs> all the way till he gets back if you want Shadow. <laughs> Idris uh, Spidey's like, why doesn't Shadow just use a smoke bomb <laughs> to escape? <laughs> so that's how those work, I know, right? right? All you need is a smoke bomb. Other dude. side of the world, boom, yeah, just like exactly. that. So make sure you wait for Shadow to show up or else he'll be dead forever. Um, but as you get onto the airship, I love this shot. Um, yeah. And, and, and I love what it says on screen. On that day, the world was changed forever. And you just see the earth from space just yeah. being like torn apart. Like yep. fire and earthquakes and the continents are being split apart. And yep. Just like an on Well, the airship itself power. just like boom, gets like it's sliced in half somehow. In half. And it's just like the, the characters all fall and are scattered yeah. upon the face of the earth. And yeah, so the world is essentially... Destroyed, not it's completely toast. so. I no. mean, there are still people who they survive. They show a few shots. There's some houses. This is this yeah. is post-apocalyptic, like totally jacked world now, um, more or less destroyed. So yes. Kefka succeeds in the plan, which is what makes him unique among Final Fantasy villains, kind of up to this point in the series. Um, and like we said in the episode one, this this was not part of the original plan. They they were going right. to make this the final dungeon, yes. and you defeat Kefka and save the world. But they felt like they had been so efficient with their time mm -hmm. that they had more time to work on the game. Let's do a world of ruin and you know right. keep the game going. Do a fourth act. But I can't even imagine a Final Fantasy VI without this world of scene ruin. and a world of ruin that oh, comes after it. Scene. It's just it wouldn't be the same. Right. Um it, the it bad guy wouldn't be nearly as interesting. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like the game's theme really needs this second half. It's it's mm -hmm. the ray of hope in the total darkness, in the right. hopelessness, in that's the right. you know, that's, that's basically what is gonna happen yeah. for the second half of the game. It's how do we pick up the pieces, keep that ray of hope alive and move forward when Basically, there is no hope when when everything is darkness around us, and mm. we'll we'll really get into that with Celeste in the next scene we analyze next week. But um, for now, we're going to leave off there and talk about triangles, uh, triangles and uh, triangles? set it, and then and then we'll we'll uh, leave it off there. So okay, uh, we got to talk about the Illuminati. Just <laughs> that's not that's not what this is about. Um, so three statues, right? We see it again. This is. The Trinity, I'm sure anybody make that, you know, three gods. Oh, interesting, right? right? This is a uh, a trinity of beings that are held in some type of unity that, you know, and all their power is like being consumed in that place, right? So uh, back in the day, a triangle really was magic. Like, like geometry was considered something along the lines of like sorcery, <laughs> magic, something like that. Sure. Um, and I'm going to talk about Pythagoras a lot. You guys remember your junior high math class about the Pythagorean <laughs> theorem. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, so, but first of all, the number three was considered a perfect number. The number of harmony, wisdom, and understanding. I say was, it still is. It's just, you know, we do things a little differently now. <laughs> um, it was also the number of time, 
past, present, and future. Mm. Birth, life, death, beginning, middle, end. It was the number of the divine. According to Pythagoras and the Pythagorean school, the number three, which they called triad, is the noblest of all digits, as it is the only number to equal the sum of all terms below it, meaning three equals one plus two equals three, Mm -hmm. right? One, two, three, right? So it's just a natural order up to three. That's not true of any other numbers, right? Right. Pythagoras taught that everything in the universe has a three-part structure. He also stated that every problem in the universe could be reduced diagrammatically to a triangle and to the number three. So triangles in sacred geometry, and this is a book written by Rudolf Steiner like 100 years ago, um, and it's a, it's a really good book, but it's intense. It's crazy. He has some crazy ideas, but it, it's really good, all things considered. The, everything in the universe could be re- reduced diagrammatically to a triangle and to the number three. So triangles in sacred geometry are thought to symbolize balance and harmony. The three-sided shape can also be related to body, mind, and spirit with the upward-facing point. It indicates raising consciousness, right? Mm. So this is just the idea of looking at a triangle. If you just meditate on a triangle, these are the kinds of things that it can bring to your mind. Um, But to Pythagoras and his followers, the triangle represented ascension. And the triangle and the number three, according to them, is the key to all hidden mysteries in the whole universe. Mm. So uh, Pythagoras lived, what, five or 600 B.C.? Mm, yeah. um, and he kind of started a lot of this stuff. He, he went to, I think, Egypt and elsewhere, and he kind of came up with these ideas based on, um, you know, I guess the pyramids, but other things. He was, he was a mathematical genius, right? And he was trying to make sense of the world. Um, all things measurable by formulations of number are things representative of all parts of reality. This is, this is a proposition mm. by Pythagoras, that if you can measure by formulations of number, then those things necessarily rep- are representative of reality itself, yeah. right? So this is an if-then statement. If all things measurable by formulations of number are things representative of all parts of reality, and all right triangles are things measurable by formulations of number, then all right triangles are things representative of all parts of reality. So he just kind of an A, B, A equals B equals C, therefore A equals C. Yeah. Kind of like that kind of logic there. So... This is really interesting because numbers in particular, right? Because you think of like Plato. Plato was a big fan of Pythagoras. And yeah. a lot of, uh, although Plato diver- diverts a little bit when he talks about forms, but the idea is that the abstract math is the perfect version of the corrupted things that, are, that exist here on earth, right? So I just want to give some idea of other threes and the reason why, like just some that evidence, number, evidence that that number is very important. Why that number would represent the ultimate sort of yeah. balance of power in the world of Final Fantasy VI. Perfect. Uh, in in our own history, that that shape and those numbers are representative of a similar concept. Yeah. Yeah. So the three mm-hmm. gods of the universe in Hindu mythology are Brahma, the creator, Vishnu, the preserver, and Shiva, the destroyer. That once again um, is the past, present, future. kind of thing, right? So you have Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Um, You have father, mother, child. You have spirit, matter, life, past, present, future, sun, moon, stars, red, green, blue. So even the RGB, even Mm -hmm. as we start to develop color, it comes in in a a package of threes that gives us the whole spectrum. And like, okay, that's interesting. Um, The executive, legislative, and judicial branches of government. (laughs) Uh, Rock, paper, scissors, right? So you got that circular logic going where this, this beats that, therefore that beats this. Uh, proton, and this is this is a pretty good guess as to why exactly the number three shows up so often, and we tend to kind of just think of things in threes. 
it's matter. It's the atom. Yeah, right. right? The atom, Positive, neutral, right. negative. Yeah, Proton, right. electron, neutron. Yeah. Right. And like if that is, if the base of all reality is something along the lines of a tripartite structure, which is like the atom, then it does make sense that as things develop from that point, that we would that it would influence the way that we think as consciousness starts to kind of shape the world. It's like three the micro and the macro the world three. reflect each other. Right. Right. Uh, so anyways, the, that's just kind of what I wrote down. I was, I was maybe going to elaborate on some of these points. I don't think I really need to. Um, it's just enough to say that like when you talk about magic and especially magic in the ancient world, like the tools of magic are things like a square and a compass, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're things that you use to measure things. Well, it's um, like when you're trying to locate something, you triangulate its position. Perfect. Right? Perfect. Yeah. That's how you find stuff. Right. And that, that makes perfect sense too. Triangulation, it gets you just like, it, it's per, you don't need more than that. You can quadrangulate if you want, but it's useless. It's redundant. Yeah. Right. You already know where you need to go. Um, so anyways, uh, the ancients would see something like a perfect triangle or Pythagoras talking about, um, what is it? A squared plus B squared equals C squared, right? Yeah. The hypotenuse is like, mm-hmm. you know, three, four, five. Um, being able to find out that that is always true, that as long as one angle is a right angle on a triangle, that you you immediately know the exact like dimensions of the triangle and that it's always the same. You, you figured out a secret of the universe, yep. man. Like yep. you can use that and you can build bridges. You can build like all kinds of crazy structures once you realize that point. And that Pythagorean theorem, that's 2,500 years old and they still teach it in school, Yeah, right? And it's like, th- that's the depth of something like this. And it, you can think of people who'd never ever understood exactly what it means to be able to measure things accurately, Mm -hmm. right? And then somebody shows up and says, oh, there's this little formula that you just do this thing. And then now you know exactly how much wood you need to build this house or whatever, or or the the, the dimensions of a ramp or a bridge or whatever it is. That is freaking magic, right? You tell people who've never heard of any of this stuff, something like that, and they're going to think that you just gave them the formula to the universe. And in some ways you did, because everything that we have now is just kind of built off of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And anytime you discover a secret of the universe, like you've got this hidden knowledge that nobody else knows about yep. and you can do powerful, powerful things with it. Um, so Pythagoras decided to write books and I'm glad he did personally. <laughs> um, so remember, that's where this all comes back from. in school, everybody, when you were thinking, why do I need to know this? When am I ever going to use this again? <laughs> Play FF6. It's actually pretty important stuff. And this this only makes sense because the game's got like the whole the pattern was the point for yeah. the warring triad. It wasn't the fact that they turned into statues. It's the fact that they became statues in the form of a triangle in yes. this exact form yes. form right the number yes. and the form. The it's positioning in, of the statues was just as important as the concept of balance. It's like exactly the actual like physical the physical formation is magic is yeah. the magic right. It makes total sense. Uh, how many of you as a kid playing this game were like, what? Kefka just like nudged the statue a little and now the world is destroyed? Like, how does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Right? But you have to understand like that the, the geometry itself yeah. is what was, um, is, is the magic yeah. that was holding the world in balance. Yeah. So leaving off on that point, we will uh, continue on next time. I, I'm having trouble at the moment sort of determining because where, it, where it, it becomes a little it becomes pretty open-ended here. here. It gets really open. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put in the pinned comment of this video which parts to play next, the order in which we'll be doing it and talking about it um, because I haven't decided yet. So we're going to sit down and figure that out 
but I'll put in a pinned comment. And uh, but but the game does become open ended, so there's some things you could go do that maybe would be out of order of what we're doing. And then yeah. so so if you want to follow with us, you'll kind of have to just go on the same path we do. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to put that in the pinned comment. So look for that to know what to play for next time. I mean, but, rule of thumb. Well, okay, never mind. We'll get to that. Yeah. As it comes. But anyways, appreciate you as always. Thank you for watching. Um, and we'll see you again next week. Peace out.